0: The words of God for today's sermon are from First Timothy. The Apostle Paul writes these in First Timothy chapter 1. You can, uh, during the sermon, follow along and take notes on the sermon notes. They're printed on that tan insert in your worship folder. If you're watching online, you can go to our website, www.holyword.net, and the sermon notes are posted there as well. These words of God that the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul. First Timothy chapter 1, beginning at verse 12. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now, to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. There's something inspiring about a person who can say, I once was, and then fill in the blank there with some kind of a a bad habit or a, a sinful habit or even an addiction of some kind, right? I once was but I'm not that anymore." Those people are inspiring. The Apostle Paul is one of those people. I want to introduce you to a few others. So there's Alex. Alex has finished the police academy and he's super excited to get a job in a police force and he specifically wants to work undercover in the narcotics division of the police force. Well, he has a story that goes behind that. One of these guys is his mentor, Agent Feldstone. Agent Feldstone busted Alex when he was in the 10th grade because he was hanging out with the wrong kids and he was busted doing heroin. He says that was the worst day and the best day of his life. He went through the process, recovered, and now he wants to be an undercover narcotics cop to make a difference in other people's lives too. Then there's Becca. Becca is a mother of three. She's a mom blogger. Uh, She lives in Manor. Her husband works at the Samsung plant. Uh, Her blogs are like starting to go viral. She gets like 10,000 views within a week and growing. And she loves writing about kids and families from a Christian perspective. And what she writes on her blog is that what fuels her in this passion for families and kids is that in her earlier years, she had an abortion. And... She was living in guilt and shame after having this abortion until she finally decided to go to counseling. The counselor introduced her to a pastor who introduced her to Jesus. And through Jesus' mercy and forgiveness, she was able to get rid of her guilt and shame. And and now that's one of the things that drives her to love kids and families so much and write about them from a Christian perspective. Then there is Charles. Charles. Charles is a personal trainer. He's the best not only in the gym, but in the region. Um, all his clients just love him and talk about him and share him with other people and tell them they got to go see Charles too as a personal trainer. Uh, but he has a background story as well. When he w- was wrestling in high school, he was wrestling in a weight category that was 20 pounds more than what he should have been. And eventually, he was 40 pounds overweight in high school. He loved McDonald's and he loved pizza And uh, he still wrestles, but uh, it it hit him when he got to college and he tried out for the wrestling team and the wrestling coach laughed at him. And he said, buddy, you need to lose some weight uh, and you're not going to wrestle here for me at at this college. Uh, It hit him hard, but he he studied. At that point then, he decided to study nutrition and fitness. He became a personal trainer. And so he's the kind of guy who can say I once was, but I am now. And that's what makes him as an effective trainer as he is. These three people, Alex and Becca and Charles, are all like the Apostle Paul, who can say, I was once, but I'm not that anymore. Now I am. That applies to us when it comes to the fifth commandment in this way. When we read these words of God in 1 Timothy, I believe they're telling us this, that we are the best first responders. So, Alex and Becca and Charles, they're first responders in a way. Why? Because they're responding to needs that people have. God's telling us, you are responding to the fifth commandment and to other needs. And so, that's how we're going to study it today in this way, that the fifth commandment presents blessings to us. And actually, all the commandments do. Uh, If you think of the commandments in this way, every commandment, don't just think about prohibitions in the commandments. But think about the blessings that each commandment specify that God is giving to us. And then the reason he gives the commandment is to protect those blessings. To help us understand how to manage them and keep them. So, for example, last Sunday we studied the fourth commandment. The fourth commandment says, Honor your father and mother. What is the blessing that God is protecting by the fourth commandment? He's protecting his authorities on earth. Parents, church, and government, God sets them up. He's protecting them. His, his rule and his work through them. What's he protecting by the fifth commandment? He's protecting life and health. All right, here's the fifth commandment. You shall not murder. What does this mean? We should fear and love God that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in their body, but we help and support them in every physical need. There you have the fifth commandment. Now, let's listen to the story of the Apostle Paul a little bit. Of someone who was a murderer. And he went from murderer to missionary. And it's important for us to see how. He writes, right here in verses 12 and 13 in 1 Timothy 1. This is the Apostle Paul. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me Trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Uh, So Paul was a murderer. Jesus appeared to him, knocked him off his horse. That's the story. He appeared to Paul and he said, I don't want you to be a murderer anymore. I don't want you killing Christians. I want you helping me save Christians. And Paul the murderer became Paul the missionary. The most powerful speaker at the don't text and drive rally is the teen who gets in front of the microphone and says, I used to text while I was driving until I ran a red light and T-boned a minivan with a family inside. Now, anytime I drive, my phone goes in my bag and I turn it off. If you want to see... I was once, but now I am. Life change in action? Go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. And there you're going to hear from a guy like Jim, formerly a company manager, who lost his job, his career, his marriage, his family, and his wealth because he had an alcohol problem. And it all Came to, came to a halt one day when he, was, uh, he had got a DUI and he'd go to prison and his life changed at that moment. Bad and good. How about Paul and his story? Here he is telling us, I was once a murderer, a blasphemer. I mocked God. I, I hunted and killed Christians. I persecuted them. But I'm not that anymore. And why is Paul not that anymore? Verse 14: The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. I think there's some really important pieces of these early verses of this section of Scripture, and let's not miss them. First of all, Paul says, I was shown mercy. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. So Paul was persecuting and killing Christians. What did he deserve from God? Paul deserved to be killed by God, to be hunted down, persecuted by God himself, and for Paul to be killed That's what he deserved. Did he get that? No, he got the opposite of what he deserved. God showed him mercy. God not only let him live, but gave him a new life. That's mercy. All right, Paul also says this in this section. uh, I acted in ignorance and unbelief. He actually says I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Pay attention to that. Paul, why were you given mercy by God? Because I'm such a terrible sinner. Yeah. Right? This is how God's grace and mercy works. God brings his grace and mercy to the table and all he wants you to bring to the table is your sins. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying all I brought to the table was my ignorance and my unbelief. That's it. I did not bring any kind of reformed life. I did not bring any kind of transformed living. I didn't change my ways. And then God said, ah, you're playing along. You're, you know, now you're playing the church game. Okay, now I can have grace and mercy on you. Paul saying, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. That's all I had going. That's all I brought to the scene is my ignorance and unbelief. And God said, I know that's all you have to bring to the scene. And I'm bringing my grace and mercy. God is not scared of your sins. God is not intimidated or even surprised by your sins. Even ones against the fifth commandment. All he wants to do is meet you at the scene. And all he wants from you is to bring your ignorance your acts of unbelief, your sins—that's all he wants you to bring. He's bringing the rest: grace and mercy. I had a powerful visit with a uh, with an inmate, with a prisoner two weeks ago, and he—he uh, he was really a—if he's a Christian, he's really a raw new Christian, trying to discover what this grace and mercy means. He's like Paul; he was in prison. And I was able to share this with him. He made comments like, you know, when I get out of here, I'm going to get my life together. Um, Pastor, you know, when I get out of here, um, then I'm coming to church and I'm going to have a relationship with God. Uh, I can't wait to get get my stuff together so so that God loves me. You hear the conditionalism in those words, in that understanding? Do you hear that? It's natural to all of us to think, I have to do something in order for God to do something for me. And this, what Paul says here, destroys that, and that's good because that's grace. I could look this prisoner in the eye and say, I said his name and I said, even before you change your life, God loves you the way you are. You, You don't have to reform any, you don't have to improve your life one bit my friend for god to love you right now just the way you are tears tears this is what paul is saying you all you bring to the scene is your sins and that's what grace is god says they don't scare me they don't intimidate me they don't and i'm i'm going to forgive you and guess what I know that the risk of forgiving you is you'll you'll go back and you'll do those same things again. Well, guess what? I'll forgive those too. That's grace and mercy. All right, third statement that Paul makes here. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength. Christ Jesus, our Lord, one name and two titles of our Savior. Jesus is his name. Christ and Lord are his titles. It's like, it's like Paul's giving his, his um, Jesus LinkedIn profile or a business card and saying, you got to see this guy. You, he changes your life. Go check this guy. And he changed Paul's life. And he, and he not only saved him from something, Paul sins, but this is how the salvation of God works. He saved him for something. Get a purpose for him. He has given me strength, Paul says, to now not just not be a murderer, but to be the best missionary of all time and write half of the New Testament. Um, where are you weak? Where have you tried to change bad habits and not succeeded? How do you feel overwhelmed? What, what, haven't, what goal of being a Christian haven't you been able to meet quite yet? What sin, if there is any sin, what sin can make you stumble in a way that others aren't as tempted to sin like that, but you are? Jesus says, not only I forgive you, But I am your strength. Your strength is coming from the outside, not from the inside. Because of these words, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength. By the grace and the mercy and the strength of Jesus, you can say, I was once, but now I am. So let's talk turkey um let me give you a list of sins against the fifth commandment we got to be specific here um and it can be a little ugly but we got to be real and and face up to these here we go murder but as the bible presents murder and what goes along with that there's when god's protecting his gift of of life and health It's not just killing someone that's going to get you in trouble. Uh, So, murder, it could be physically harming someone, even though you don't kill them. It's put in the same category by Jesus and by the rest of Scriptures. It could be even recklessly endangering someone else's life, even though you don't touch them or harm them physically. Abortion. Unnecessarily ending someone's life who is near death, but God hasn't brought them to death yet. We call that euthanasia. Suicide. Then, not just... uh, Life issues, but health issues which impact life. Improper eating? Immodest, imbalanced drinking? Lack of any kind of health? Lack of taking care of myself? It could be a lack of sleep. Lack of exercise. Fifth commandment. Treating or harming my body in some way that doesn't take care of the gift of health that God has given me. And finally, sins of the heart that fall under the fifth commandment anger and hate. There's the package. I fall in there somewhere. And I know you do too. So now what? Now that we find this fifth commandment, let's say with Paul, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Before we get to the I part, I want to talk about the world part. Christ Jesus came into this world. What kind of world is this? If you lived on a different planet, would you really come here? Our murder rate is skyrocketing. We're terrorizing and killing each other as neighboring countries and cultures. There's gang fights and gang wars. Three-year-olds know how to use guns and use them improperly. I mean, our, the soil of this planet is stained with our blood. Abortions, suicides, going up, unjust wars, angry people, who, road rage. We want our own way and we don't get it and we feel entitled to get off and hurt people. I, if I lived on Mars, I don't think I'd come here. So why did Jesus come here? Jesus came to a planet filled with all those things, the soil of which was stained with blood, and Jesus said, I want to go there. Really? Why would he do that? To our planet, Jesus, you come. Yeah, I want to go there because I want to be one of the ones who is murdered. I want you, people of the earth, to kill me too. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. He came to me, to this heart that has been too filled with hate, to this life filled with past sins against the fifth commandment. He came to this, even this, even me. There's this powerful parable that that Jesus once told uh, the setup of the, is this. There's a landowner, and this landowner uh, buys a vineyard, and then he, he rents his vineyard out to some farmers. He wants them to farm it to take care of the grapes, and at some point he's going to collect his rent. The time comes for the landowner to collect rent from the farmers. All right, now here's what Jesus says in this parable. The farmers seized his servants... They beat one, they killed another, they stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time. And the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They'll respect my son, he said. But when the farmers saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What kind of father would send his son to collect rent from a group of thugs with blood dripping from their hands? I wouldn't do that to my son. You wouldn't do it to yours. But only a father whose reckless love for sinners will stop at nothing to save us. God sent his son to be murdered by a bunch of murderers on this planet so that by by his death, by, by making the payment for our sins against the fifth commandment, he could save us and to forgive us. Uh, How could God possibly love me? Verse 16. Let's finish with this verse. Paul writes, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Um, It's okay to say that. It's okay to say I'm the worst sinner. A chief of sinners though I be. It's actually good to say that because The only kind of person who's gonna say that is the person who's secure and by faith has accepted by faith the true grace, mercy, and forgiveness that Jesus can provide. Then you're brave enough to say something like that, to approach God saying, I'm I'm the worst of sinners, but I once was. Now I am. And your life is changed like Paul's was by the grace of God. Don't be afraid to say you're a sinner. Don't be afraid to show up at the scene and that's all that you have. That's how Jesus wants to meet you and that's when he does his best work. 30 years ago, there was a a Brazilian prison owned by the government and they turned this prison over to, to a group that had Christian principles and they ran the prison by these Christian principles. Love God... Love each other. There, uh, it ended up that there were only two full-time employees in this prison, and the rest of the work of the prison was done by 730 inmates. Each inmate was assigned an accountability buddy, who's a fellow prisoner, and was also given a mentor, someone in, a civilian, uh, uh, who was working with that prisoner, both during their incarceration and after they were released. Very purposeful in the setup of these Christian principles. Chuck Colson tells the story about visiting this prison. Chuck Colson is known uh, for his prison ministry, prison fellowship around the world. Okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read to you what he writes about this prison. Um, they read aimed at Humeata. and here's what Chuck Colson writes. When I visited Humeita, I found the inmates smiling. Particularly the murderer who held the keys Open the gates and let me in. Wherever I walked, I saw men at peace. I saw clean living areas, people working industriously. The walls were decorated with biblical sayings from the Psalms and the Proverbs. My guide escorted me to the notorious prison cell once used for torture. Today, he told me, that block houses only a single inmate in that cell. As we reached the end of a long concrete corridor and he put the key in the lock, he paused and asked, Are you sure you want to go in? Of course, I replied impatiently. I've been in isolation cells all over the world. Slowly he swung open the massive door and I saw the prisoner in that punishment cell. A crucifix beautifully carved by the inmates. the prisoner Jesus hanging on a cross. He's doing time for the rest of us, my guide said softly. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, the worst of murderers murdered you when our world executed you on the cross. That made you the best of saviors as you walked onto the scene with nothing but your grace and mercy and then saved us. Thanks for the inspiration and the words of the Apostle Paul today as they teach us about your grace and your mercy. May every person here today, Lord, may every heart, by faith, know your full and free forgiveness. And and may there be a person who walks out of these doors today who has struggled with a sin against the fifth commandment, And and may they be freed from that sin in full forgiveness and grace and mercy so that they once were and now they are saved by you, righteous and holy by your grace. Move us in our lives, Lord, then to inspire others that they might see you in us and that they might believe too and receive eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen.